Tony Jeffrey. He told us this moment would send shivers down his spine. A cacophony of noise, a thunderous atmosphere. Yo, BJ Gador with the Weekly BJ Podcast, and I am so fucking excited today because we have the Tony Jeffries on the podcast today as a special guest. He is huge in Sunderland, an undefeated pro boxer, an Olympic medalist for Britain, a seven-time national and European champion, owner of the best boxing gym in LA, two locations, one in Santa Monica, one in Brentwood. I have personally trained with him in Santa Monica over the past year. He taught me how to box. And I was a brutal client for him, terrible footwork, so many issues he had to kind of work with me on, and he's unlocked for me a new passion for exercise outside of the gym or outside of traditional sets, reps, bodybuilding, fitness style of training, and it's made me leaner than ever, more conditioned, and I'm just so excited to get him on the show today to talk about that. He also has the number one boxing certification course for trainers. He's the number one boxing educator on Instagram. He's worked the mitts and in the ring with fighting legends like Conor McGregor, Deontay Wilder, the Bronze Bomber, and Evander, the Real Deal Holyfield, many others. There are links in the show notes to his gym, his certs, his online products. I really love this guy. He's a world-class individual. He's a world-class coach. He really knows how to get the best out of you, and he's such a good dude, and I'm so happy to share him with the audience today. Please do me a favor and follow him on Instagram. Check out his website. If you're in the LA area, check out his gym. He's changed my life with regards to just finally, like I've always wanted to learn how to box and I never found someone that I could connect with and that could inspire me to do it. And he did. And I'm so happy I met this guy and I'm so happy to share him with you and the rest of the world today, all the followers of this podcast. And I will start with the classic song that all Brits play at sporting events before I get into the episode with Tony. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, man. I'm so pumped to have you on. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us on. I'm excited to do, to do this, mate. I love your accent. Do you get that all the time? <laughs> you know, being in America, I do. But people keep saying it was that I get asked all the time, where are you from? But people try and guess and people say, oh, you're from Australia? I'm like, no. You're from Germany? I'm like, come on. No. You're from Scotland? No. Ireland? No. So the last place someone thinks I'm from with this accent is England. I'm actually from England. <laughs> How mad's that? That's hilarious because I, I mean, I knew instantly you were from the UK or Britain for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I slowed it down when I first met you, but I normally, which I've got to do when I'm speaking to Americans now, but I used to speak very fast. And that's what might get people. Well, but I love your so... accent as well, BJ. What was that? 
I love your accent as well. Oh, well, thank I you. Love- See, I've got a mix of uh, a lot of times what you'll hear is, is a Wisconsin Midwest accent, like car, uh, right. bag, boat, coach. Uh, so a lot of that comes in and it, it's gotten better because, you know, when I, I haven't been in Wisconsin in a while, but every once in a while you hear um, that accent. But it's funny you mentioned that too, because you, I speak fast. And you speak fast. So when our, in our some of our first boxing lessons, not only was I like a gorilla in there trying to learn footwork <laughs> and, and these drills and the first 10 minutes, man, like, you know, because I'm trying to impress you and like, you know, you know, show that I'm fit and I'm throwing like bombs. Yeah. 10 minutes into the session, man, like I, I'm going to die. And there's 50 minutes left. And after the first <laughs> lesson, man, I was so dejected because I'm like, wow, I, I thought I was fit. And I'm like, I'm 36 uh, at the point of that first lesson. Like, am I getting old? Like, what's happening? I looked at my wife and I'm like, wow, that was a wake-up call. And much <laughs> like any wake-up call I've had, it's like, okay, either I, you know, uh, accept defeat or I'm going to look at this as an opportunity and a challenge that I can overcome and get better because I can only get better from that first lesson. And you can speak to that. Yeah, well, you definitely are. I mean, if you look at our first lesson we did compared to the last lesson, like you 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 five times better you know your conditioning's way way better i'm surprised that someone like yourself was thinking like wow am i getting old or or if you really were thinking that or, or like what what is it because you're using new muscles you're doing something that you've not done before although you have done little bits of boxing before but when you i find when you go into something like brand new that you've not done properly or, or done for or done before it's way, way harder. And I guess you do feel like, why, why, why is it so hard for me? You know? Yeah, no, a part of it too. So you think, and this is where like the respect for the sport, like if you're a fan of a sport and you've never played it, you have to at least learn how to do it in some ways, because I've never had respect for fighters like I do now, because just the breathing, man, like I was holding my breath and tensing up. And, you know, when you come from fitness, you're all about flexing tense, and right. boxing's all about smooth and control and rhythm and footwork and balance. And so, um, you know, I, it was basically like a foreign language to my nervous system. And it's helped me really, especially I was so tight on my upper body. And so uh, you think, oh, because I'm fit and I'm lean that I'm going to be able to be in boxing shape. And then you see someone like, you know, Andy Ruiz, who it doesn't look as fit as a lot of right, these guys yeah. like Deontay Wilder or, you know, Anthony Joshua. And he comes in and he was actually out-conditioned you know, the Adonis, Anthony Joshua. And uh, so it's a different type of conditioning. And uh, I just have such respect now for the sweet science in a way I didn't before. And, it, and it's credit to learning from a pro like you. Oh, thanks, mate. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're, you're doing great. Con- considering the size, you, you are a big guy with loads of muscle. I've trained guys like that before, or like, like big guys like that. And within... 30 seconds a minute, the humbled and the and the and the and the wrecked. Like when we do the shoulder spawn, the competitive stuff, like you push through it, not no matter how tired you are. That's one thing that I love about you and and what I respect about you is how hard you work. To have a body like yours, though, to be fair, you've got to work your ass off, right? You know, you you, you can't have a body like yours and not be hard working, would you say? You're making me horny. You're making me horny with these compliments. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but no, it's it's true, right? It, it's true. Like you work your ass off, where, um, and and you've you've got to do all that. And boxing is hard, and it and it is because it's because it's long as well. Like it's not like a short sprint. You've got to have good stamina for it. And 
after if you're doing a three minute round, a minute and a half in, often enough people's looking at the clock thinking when's this when's this round going to end, you know, and then the then the minute rest what you normally have, I give you like thirty second rest, but the minute rest we normally have is normally the fastest minute of your life. You know, yeah, that and that, that's where you're a bit of a bastard because I, I was like wondering, I, you know, I, I train three <laughs> minutes on, one minute off, and I do like 15 rounds, and then we shoulder spar. And for those listening, it, it's it's pretty much the closest you can get to sparring without getting hit in the head. And so basically, when when Tony and I are are in there, we can hit each other in the arms, the shoulder, the body, and even though I occasionally I would throw a low blow, and I, I hit you in the hip flexor a couple times. <laughs> yeah, but um. So you're, it's almost, it's very close to, to that, except getting hit and it is exhausting and we'll go for three minutes and, and I'm like the round, like, I can't wait for the break and you never show me like the timer. So I don't know where, where I am in the round and, and I'm afraid to overthrow punches because once I get fatigued, then you can just completely just walk me around in that ring and make me look like a fool. But, and I'm like, how is this, like, how are these minute rest periods? Then you tell me like, you know, six months in, oh yeah, we're just resting for 30 seconds. So, <laughs> You're yeah. devious in there, and then you get me all tired before we start doing the shoulder sparring, and then I'm just yeah, I'm dead. Better. Uh, but but with with boxing, I'm 34 now. I've been doing it since I was 10 years old. Like I don't do any boxing training anymore, and I can because I know how to breathe and relax when I'm in there. It's you know even when I'm in with someone who's fit yourself and as strong as yourself, you know I can I can get through I can get through 20 rounds if I, if I, if need be because I just know how to breathe and control the ring and so I think it'd be the same with anyone who's who's um I would not saying I'm an expert but it's anyone who's expert at their sport you know they they can uh they can do that you know they know how to control it when you when you're in with someone who's not got that much experience you know if if I was in the ring with someone who's my level I, I would be wrecked after after three minutes after two minutes do you know absolutely absolutely and and I'll say this too, um, you hit me with a body shot in the solar plexus that <laughs> I've never felt anything like that. And I don't know if you could tell that I took it because I was trying to hide the fact that that I received it. But I, I yeah. felt like my inner organs in a way that, um, let me just say it was a special feeling. And uh, so it, it's, it's great because I'm a competitive guy and I haven't had that outlet since I stopped playing football, American football, uh, you know, back in 2005. So it's just been great, man. I, I appreciate you so much. You're such a generous guy with oh, your time, you. with your knowledge. And, and I want people listening because, again, like I've never been humbled uh, in fitness the way I have and uh, in, in working with Tony. And it's what I needed. And I think a lot of guys have the insecurity and the ego that they don't want to be humbled. They want to stick with their strengths and never work on their weaknesses. And for me, the footwork, the coordination, the conditioning, the aerobic piece of it, that's always been weaker areas for me as kind of a heavier lineman guy when I played and um you know so I can't recommend this enough um it's so worth it learning this stuff and, and especially for the the brain I remember the first lesson man I was coming in and the group before our lesson was a bunch of guys with Parkinson's yeah talk yeah. about that yeah so the the benefits is box the benefits of boxing is endless as long as you're not getting punched in the face <laughs> It really is, and there is there's groups of people with Parkinson's disease coming into, the, into the, the gym to do classes because it's one of the best ways to help them, to help when they've got bad tremors. They'll do a class and they'll do boxing and they tell me like the tremors improve like 90% because uh, 
It's using a lot of their motor skills, their hand, eye, foot and coordination. It's really helping them control control that. So they love it and it's very popular with people with Parkinson's. And I and people listening might think like, well, what you would have thought boxing would have been the last thing small Parkinson's disease would be doing. But like I said before, if you're not getting punched in the head, boxing is is the best, I think, is the best workout out there, full body. And even people with without Parkinson's, two gyms, that's 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 boom booming. People come in and, and they'll do classes and they'll do boxing and they tell us that boxing is really good for their for their brain, for their mind, because it's and we've heard a few times it's kind of like a form of meditation. Because when you're in there and you're boxing and you're thinking about the punches, the combinations, turning the hips, moving the feet, keeping your hands up, exhaling with every punch, tightening your core, all these things, you're thinking about all these things. How can you think about anything else? You know, you're totally zoned in. Oh, right? dude, absolutely. Like my 60 second sales pitch on boxing. And again, I have no, I don't get any money from the World Boxing Federation. Um, it is the best full body workout I've ever had in my life. My shoulders have never felt better because of, you know, the, the amount of the variety of punches, the hooks, the uppercuts, the jabs, the straights. It's done something for my shoulder mobility that's been quite unique. My lats. Like we have a lot of people listening that are more interested in the aesthetic benefits and like my lats have never been more developed because of, you know, the stretch and they actually decelerate your punches. Um, the ab work is off the charts, the footwork, like my calves. Um, I, I, one of the jokes on our podcast is that, you know, I'm team no calves. I've got, you know, the high calves, the athletic calves, <laughs> but they've never been more developed because you have to be on your toes constantly bouncing, moving. And from the brain standpoint, you know, we were talking to people with Parkinson's, but if you're over 30 years old, <clears throat> what you're going to start to lose the most is your reaction time, your reflexes, your hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to have a mental condition or debilitation to benefit. And I, I just, it's been amazing for me, like not only have, have my reflexes and my hand-eye coordination improved the way it was when I used to play sport, but it's also like the creative pathways for other exercise. Like I take ideas that I get from you. I'm like, oh, this would be a cool way to apply it to what I do in fitness or take this, take a band and enhance it in this way. So it's just from a creativity standpoint, from a coordination, hand-eye, aging standpoint, uh, fast twitch fibers. And then uh, I-, I tested this on my heart rate monitor. Like I will get my heart rate 170 to 180 plus, and I can keep it there in a way that I just can't keep it with other modes of exercise. So uh, if you want to work your ticker, if you want to be lean, uh, I-, I crush a thousand plus calories every hour I do it. And uh, I just can't say enough about it. So please like, invest in this and, and you want to learn from a pro because i remember when i first tried to like start doing some of the stuff on my own and i shared it and by the way people still shit on me because again i'm not great I, i'm i'm less shitty than i used to be but i, I share stuff now just because i want to inspire people to learn it from people like you because i do think there is incredible value in, in learning the basic punches the footwork from a pro because it's hard to do it on your own would you agree uh, i would agree with a lot of what you said apart from the working with a pro you you, you don't have to look for if, if you listen to this and you want to find a boxing coach I wouldn't try and find someone with uh, Olympic medal or, or or who's won lots of national titles although that would be good so there's some amazing boxing fitness coaches out there right now in our gym alone we, we've got a, a bunch of people who's never boxed before who understand boxing now it might not be at the level that well it, will, it won't be the level that we do in our BGA but it's there's some great coaches out there as well that can 
that know the boxing and try and find one of them, you know? Absolutely. And there actually might be some advantages to that in the sense that, you know, they always say this, like the great, the great athletes actually are the worst coaches sometimes in their own sport because they yeah. rely on natural ability. And, and you're not like that because, you know, you've been training since you were 14 and you just know so much about it. But like, how does someone like, you know, Roy Jones Jr., uh, you know, teach that style of fighting, right? I mean, it's like, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a God-given natural ability. But uh, before we started, the people listening on Anchor heard the song Sweet Caroline. Why do, <laughs> why do Brits love that song at sporting events? Like, I, I, I'm trying to understand, like, where that came from. Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but there's just something about that song that gets you pumped and gets you ready for it. And, and the boxing promoters know that, like, Eddie Hearn, the, the biggest promoter in British boxing right now, he knows that, so he puts it on before all of his shows. I think it stemmed from the Ricky Hatton days. Remember Ricky yes, Hatton, right? Yes, yes. He, he was something else. Yeah, so he he had the biggest, I think, one of the biggest followings in, in boxing, in, definitely in British boxing, where he'd come to Vegas and there'd be like 15,000 people come with him. So you've got 15,000 Brits at the fight, drunk. I think Sweet Caroline is a easy song to remember and it just gets you just gets you pumped but no you're right what you see it and it's there before every fight do you like it i, I do like it yeah i, I just and, and i know that they play it sometimes here at like baseball games and stuff um but unfortunately it didn't work out for ricky Haddon when he ran into uh floyd mayweather yeah when he ran into floyd mayweather's left hook <laughs> it didn't but you know different different levels well you know let's talk about levels. that because i think one of the things because i heard this about ricky Haddon, he would like he get into shape for a fight and he would gain like 50 pounds in like a matter yeah. of weeks. Like, and I talk about this all the time, the importance of like, I, I look the way I do year round because I used to be the guy that would bulk up and cut down and it just takes such a stress in the body. And usually when you have to cut down that drastically, you come into an event or a fight or whatever it is. So at your weakest, you know, um, right. when, when you were training, did you try to stay around uh, your, your fighting weight as, as often as possible? Or did you find yourself going up and down? You know what? So I looked up to Ricky Hatton a lot when I just turned pro. It was, I think it was my second professional fight. I boxed on the undercard of Ricky Hatton, Floyd Mayweather, but in the in the UK. So the UK Sky TV, they had a UK event, then they went from us to uh, to Las Vegas, and so I looked up to Ricky Hatton, and so did a lot of my friend boxers. It was high level, so we kind of got into the mentality. This is going to sound crazy, like that's what you do after a fight. You drink. You eat loads of food and you put loads of weight on. So we did that. And I've never even thought about that's why I probably did that until now. That's why everyone probably did that. So in British boxing, that's the kind of mentality that we had for a long time about doing that, which is crazy. Like thinking about it now is crazy, you know, eating, drinking. Because you couldn't eat, you couldn't diet. You, so you were dieting for like eight to 10 weeks before a fight. So straight after the fight, you would eat twice as much shit as you would before and as well one thing with boxers is most boxers is uneducated uh, and uneducated from, from school but as well uneducated with nutrition so we didn't really have a clue we, what we, we were supposed to be eating and even though we had nutritionists there but there the weren't like people are right now we would be uh, starving starving ourselves to make weight you know um which which now i know is not not the right thing to do uh so yeah my, my weight would be up and down as a professional i 
I fought at 168 pound, and my walking round weight was around 185, 190, which is not crazy for 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 a boxer. People used to think that oh yeah, oh you, you've got you've got 20 pound lose that's easy, you know, in boxing terms because other other people who was fighting at 160 it would be wanting about 200, 210. Wow, that is that is so much weight to lose. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's it's when I, like I say when I look back, I know it's pretty crazy. It really is. And then, like, I, I probably part of it too is like you, like you guys are training all day, like you're at a camp, and so it doesn't. You can literally eat whatever you want, and you're going to lose a shit ton of weight just from the activity level. Like, so what what was your training like? Take us through what a day would look like when you're prepping for a fight. Like, you're eight to ten weeks out. What does that look like? Yeah. So I'll I'll take you through the the Olympic Olympic training camps when we were training for them. Uh, so on on a Monday we would our first session would be at uh, seven a.m. It would be a run. It would either vary from a, a high intensity interval run or uh, or, or a long plodding plodding run, a slow run, uh, or, or some sprints. So we we do a run on the morning, then we train again at ten a.m., which would probably be a, a boxing technique session and then from there half was done a boxing technique session the other half would do like a small strength session so from from 10 till about 11 we train then we switch then we go from 11 till about 12 and then we do another session so we do by 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 midday we, we've done three sessions then we train again at three o'clock uh, where it would be a spawn session a heavier boxing load session and then on an evening time would would go probably go for a light jog if guys was overweight, like too much overweight, we'll put them on a longer, like a forty-five minute run. So we'll be we'll be training four days a week, uh, four four times a day, and that was for five uh, four four days a week. Then on the fifth day, we would train uh, we would train twice a run and then a boxing session, and then the tallest of the weekends off, and and that's what it was like for for training for the Olympics and for the last for the last two year leading up to the Olympics. Uh, so it was it was intense. And then they would fly different champions in or different countries in with all the champions and we would spar with them. They would fly us to like we might go to Ireland or France and, and spar with their with their teams. Uh but this is why the British boxing team right now is one of the best in the in the world. Because they've got this program together. So for the last two years before the Olympics, the only people I would be training with was champions in from, from England or, or from different countries. And you know when you're training with champions, you're gonna become a champion, or you're gonna become better, the best you can be. That like the surround the, when you're surrounding yourself with them sort of people with that sort of mentality, it just brings the best out of you, and and that's what it really did for me, and that's what it's doing for the rest of the team. You know? Dude, I, I love that. And that that is I can't even imagine what the body would feel like from that amount of training. Because after an after an hour of boxing, uh, I mean some I mean usually. I'll have to take it easy the next day or even take the full day off. Cause it's just so, I don't know. Right. I just find it so taxing. So doing like that number of sessions, I mean, it just, again, people don't realize that's why it's so great to dig deeper into something you enjoy. Cause like, then you see these guys go out there and do it under the bright lights with their light, literally their lives are on the line. Um, so it's always been such a special sport to me. I, I was always such a fan of the Rocky franchise and yeah, I was a huge Ali Tyson fan. Um, before we get into your origins, uh, what do Brits 
dislike about Americans. I know we we always have such a special relationship <laughs> between our two countries, but I just have to know, like, what what do we do that annoys you guys the most? Ooh, I don't know. You know, there's a few things. Uh, American, we I think where I'm from, we dry our sense of humor is is a bit different, and uh, American is a lot of cheese. Like you'll you'll watch a movie, maybe a Will Ferrell movie at the cinema, and you'll be all laughing your heads off. And I think I think that is a thing what English people don't do. Another thing is like <laughs> is it's like you'd be at an American football game in a bar. And everyone would be cheering away and high fiving each other and all that. I'd, I'd say that's that's something. Not so much me. I've lived here for eight years now. I love Americans, but that's something. If a if an Englishman from where I'm from come here, they would probably see it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it, it's kind of the there, there's a sad Americans have a savagery about them. Like you know, like there's there's an excess there's like you know we're, we're excess excessive when it comes to being a fan when it comes to eating you know like is that kind of where you're going with it no not not so, not so much the eating although i think in britain americans have got the reputation of all being obese you know? <laughs> yeah they have the reason but the yeah I, I think the reason for that is uh that the only really place where Brits go on holiday is Florida. Okay. And and you know, Florida, like they go to Disneyland. That's yes. where Brits go on holiday in America. So when you go to Disneyland in Florida, that's kind of what you see, right? Yeah, and everybody's driving, everybody's driving one of those rascal scooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Eat, so, eating turkey legs and stuffing their faces and, and waiting in lines. You know, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, but it's in fairness, that isn't maybe the best representation of us. No, not at all. Coming to West LA and it's completely different. It's all yeah, LA. Right? Yeah, you're right, man. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know anyone. Um, I feel like anybody who's come to LA, they, they've gotten in better shape. I just think you have to, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, it's, it's part of the lifestyle here, which again, it's great, like what I said about the, what I said about the, the British boxing champions. You rise to that occasion. It's kind of the same where you're in a city where everyone keeps fit and thinks and is health conscious. It just brings that out in you. No doubt, man. No doubt. No. So, so how did you get into yeah. boxing? I know you said you started when you were fourteen. No, I started when I was ten. Ten. Oh my when god. I was ten years old. Yeah. When I was when I learned to walk. My granddad used to have me in boxing stands throwing punches on his hands and teaching me. And uh, his son, my uncle, was a boxer. He was a professional boxer. He didn't really achieve anything as a boxer. So they loved it. And my granddad took me when I was 10 years old. And uh, since then, my dad my dad started. Moved a couple of gyms when I was 10. Got punched in the face the first time when I was 10. Uh, punched someone else in the face the first time at that age. And had my first fight when I was 11. And, you know, I kind of didn't like boxing for, for a long period of time when I was that age because, you know, you obviously had to be dedicated, like very dedicated. And all my friends in my area, they'd be playing outside, uh, riding the bikes, messing around where I was going to a, the gym and getting punched in the face and having a bloody nose and working really hard. 
So I didn't really like it, but so I got to the point where my, my dad was saying to me, like, Tony, you've got to go. And I said, I'm not going. He says, you're going. And I was like, Dad, I'm not going. He said, if you don't go to the boxing, you're not going to play outside with your friends ever again. You're grounded. You're staying in the house. You're staying in your bedroom. You're not leaving your bedroom unless you go boxing. So I got forced to go boxing. And he used to always say to me, you'll thank me one day. You'll thank me one day. And yeah, after the Olympic medal, I did thank him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love the sport. And then when I was 13, I was in the schoolboy championships. I ended up winning the, the title. I won the, I was the national champion. And that was amazing. I was like, wow. I'm the, I remember walking around the streets of Sunderland thinking, I'm the, the national champion. I'm the champion of this full country for my age. And that was a great feeling. From there, when I was 14, I got picked to fight for England, which again was an amazing feeling, representing your country. And then I kind of never looked back since, you know? So that's the origin. That's where I kind of started. It's amazing, man. I mean, it's, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this before too. Like, I think both of our dads were probably pretty hard on us, but, you know, you're so thankful later in life that, you know, they, they push you to yeah. do things you didn't want to do and, and develop that level of discipline and determination. And it's just so amazing what happens uh, when you, you know, you, you, you put together all these days of hard work over the course of months and years and, Man, some amazing stuff happens at the end, but it's so hard to to visualize the end game when you're younger or you're just getting started with anything. And but you did it, man, and uh, you did it on the biggest of stages. Yeah, like you see, when you're young, at this point, when you're, I mean, it's different in in the UK, America, because you leave school at sixteen. But people out drinking and getting with girls when you're like 14, 15 years old, sixteen. So when all your friends are doing that. And when you're from where I'm from and you, 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 they're out doing this crazy shit, and which seems like fun and the cool thing to do, it's so hard to, to be different and, and walk away. I remember one one time when I was 15, I was training for a fight and I ran past. I was out running. All my friends were standing on the, on the street corner uh, smoking and drinking and all that. And all the girls were there and they were all laughing at me like, ah, oh, look, look at him, he's out running. And it made us feel stupid. I remember feeling like, oh... I felt really stupid for, for being out, keeping fit. So I ran the long way. So on the way back, I ran, I ran a different way. I ran the, the long way around because I didn't want to be see let, let them see me working out, which is mm, crazy. Now, living in in West LA, half the kids have got personal trainers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So it, the, the, the mindsets are completely different over here to, to where I'm from, and I guess where you're from as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, and it's so funny too, because I think a lot of people that were quote-unquote losers or squares, you know, in high school growing up, because they were working on something bigger than themselves or that was for the future, um, you know, then they, they peak later in life. You know what I mean? Like, because right. everybody else is there, they're thinking short-term, they're living in the now, having fun, and I'm not saying like, because I talk about all the time, like how like the last 15 years, I was laser focused on the goals in my career, everything else. And I just like forgot about everything, friends, family, what was really important in life. And I finally kind of came full circle on that. At the same time, I was, I was playing the long game and the bigger game and the bigger picture. And I had this vision for myself and I would have been for sure. People called me a loser. I didn't drink. Um, you know, I, I was a dedicated student athlete and, uh, 
though it sucked at the time because I didn't go to any parties and people would, you know, thought I wasn't cool, whatever else, uh, you know, now, now I'm like living my best life. So I guess if I had to pick, I'd rather my best years be in front of me than my best years be behind me. Tony? I heard you there. I said 100%. I would much rather my best life be in front of me, like you see it. And them same kids that made fun of me, they're kind of doing the same shit right now back in Sunderland. Not yeah. Out old, drinking yes, every weekend. Old habits die hard. Yeah. And then they're the ones now telling me, oh, wow, you're, you're killing it. You're smashing it in life. I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you're arguably bigger now than even you were in your fighting career because of, you know, now you've transitioned into you know, from fighter to coach and you've worked with like guys like Conor McGregor, Deontay Wilder, you've got all these celebs coming through your gym. You work uh, directly yeah. with um, the guy who's saying millennium. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah. He was huge. Like one of the biggest stars in the UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's still, yeah. He still is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's been a crazy tra- transition and you're, you're right. I am bigger than uh, bigger now than I was when I, the Olympics, which is crazy to think, and that, that comes down to hard work as well. Because you know, all I did when I retired from boxing, so I boxed since I was 10 years old, I retired when I was 27. I had a good business brain and left school with no qualifications. What I did when I retired, I focused my energy from what I put into boxing and all of that determination, I put it into business. So the transition was pretty easy. and now, like building these two gyms, I've got like, nearly 50 employees uh, living in Santa Monica, driving my favorite car. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Uh, and you know what, mate? It's been, it's been easy because boxing was hard. Getting in the ring, fighting a monster, making weight in front of thousands of people, someone trying to knock your, knock your face off. That's hard running the gym in West Elliot, it's a piece of cake once you compare it to that, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Athletes, it, you know, sports can get a bad rap, but the, the the mental fortitude and the discipline you can develop as an athlete carries so well into life as an entrepreneur, a business person. And it, gets, it desensitizes you, right? So, like, you're used to all this hard shit. And then, like, like you said, it's actually easier – it's easier just to use your skill um, to teach boxing than it is to actually fight and put your life on in the ring. So, but you deserved it. And, you know, that's part of what uh, it's different learning from someone who, you know, just as a fan versus someone who like, they literally step in the ring. Every time you do it, you put your life on the line. Like a couple people have already died this year fighting in the ring. And it's, it's tragic, but it's that you gotta be that type of cat that's willing to go in there and put everything on the line so yeah, running a gym yeah. is like, oh, this is a piece of cake. Yeah, it's 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 easy, and you know, and but as as well, like there's fighters who I know who achieved more than me in boxing, who probably earn more money than me in boxing. Who's right now they they're not doing very well at all. They're trying to sell private training sessions for ten pound in the UK a session, and I'm like, wow, because it, you need to have a, I think a certain type of mentality to 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 switch your focus especially if you're teaching boxing for fitness you know you, you can't you can't teach someone i couldn't teach you the way my co- my coach taught me 
well, I mean, you're, you're, you're different. I can teach you close to that. But like, let's say a middle-aged lady comes to the gym. I couldn't teach her the way my coach taught me by swearing and calling her shit if, if she's doing something wrong, you know. Uh, and that's what these, getting back to what I was talking about, these boxers, they retire from boxing and, and they might go into the fitness field to try and teach boxing or fitness and they can't do it. Uh, so what they end up doing is getting into a job what they, what they don't necessarily like to be in. So, like I said, it, it takes a, a certain type of person and mentality to be able to switch the focus and, and lose your ego and and teach boxing for fitness. I think I've drifted everywhere with that little quote there with what I've just said there. But does that make sense what I'm talking about? Oh, no, it? dude, absolutely. That, that's one thing that I just, when I talk about you being just generous, like the, our first couple lessons, I mean, I could tell, like, you're trying to teach me and I just couldn't get it. And, you know, I, I bet like a, a traditional boxer who, you know, again, has, has won a medal, has been in the ring. It's like, this is such a waste of my time, no matter what you're making right. on the hour. Right. Um, but you were, you were patient yeah. and you gave me the best you had and it made me uh, not feel stupid. Like, so that I would be willing to do the work and I would just go home that week, work on it, come back. And I would be a little less shitty than I was the week before. And <laughs> you know, that's a net, that's a gift that you have as a coach. I'm just telling you like, much props like you, you have you have an empathy and a patience about you that um makes it so you don't feel bad about yourself when you're fucking up yeah oh, my yeah and to me it's that, that to me that comes easy uh but i i see coaches that it's not easy that that, that don't do it so easy uh and like with the with the education program that, that i do now uh since these fighters who i'm talking about I'm messaging them when I was just in the UK there doing a course. So I, for people who don't know, I, I teach trainers how to teach boxing and t- teach them our methods and our coaching style and skills and all that. And I, I reached out to some of the fighters who's not doing well. And I was like, come and do the course. You can do it for free. Uh, I'll even get you, like my good friends, I'll get you a hotel room as well because they're teaching boxing for fitness and they're not having success. And they're like laughing like, <laughs> Now nah, I'm good, and they'll and they'll not come to try and learn off us, and that's the problem with with boxers. I don't know if other athletes are like that, who's been at a high level, they've got an ego where they don't want to drop it and learn. You know what I'm I saying? I do, yeah, I do, yeah. And yeah, and and to me that's crazy, and they'll not do it, and that's exactly why they are where they are, and I guess I am where I am after life after boxing. Because I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about trying to help not just people like yourselves, yourself and people who want to do it for fitness, but I'm very passionate about trying to help uh, not just personal trainers, but former boxers as well, get out of the whole lot they're in. Because you know what it is, mate, right? Uh, I'm, again, I'm drifting everywhere here, but what it is, is boxers, they dedicate their lives to this sport. They leave, most of them, with hardly any money and with hardly any education, like I said, I have any education. Most boxers are the same. The CTE, they've got a little bit of uh, the problems with the brain. They deserve to have a good life after boxing. I really believe that, and that, and that's why I'm really passionate about trying to help them. You know, oh man, it's beautiful. And let's touch on because you're actually involved in some brain health studies regarding boxing, right? Yeah. So there's a there's the the biggest fighters brain study in the world it's in las vegas at the cleveland clinic it's amazing what they're doing they're trying to find out more about cte 
and the damage, the actual damage that boxing is doing to the brain. And I, I went there the first time four years ago when I was 30 years old, and they do all sorts of computer tests, memory tests, speech tests, uh, and then a, a, a brain scan, balance tests, and they do all they do all these tests on you, and then at the end you get your results. So I got my results at the end, and I was really, really nervous about getting these results. And they said, oh, your results come back, your average for a 30-year-old. And I was so happy, mate, so happy. And he said it was, but we can't tell anything from that because for all we know, three years ago, you could have been above average or four years ago. So what I've got to do, I've got to keep going back year after year. So I've been there four years right now and there hasn't been any decline or uh, it hasn't increased at all. So I'm the same, which I, again, I'm happy about, you know, because it can be very, it, it is very worrying. You know, I, I think I might have told you this before. I don't know if I did, but so I had 106 fights in my career and I did the maths. If I sparred I said, 10 times for each one of them fights and each one of them spawn sessions was six rounds and each one of them rounds, I got punched in the head seven times. I've done all this maths before and I've been punched in the head. I think it's between 45 and 50,000 times. Oh God. Which is so scary, mate. So scary. And as well, after the first time I'd done the brain test, he told me one thing and he, that, that, that he found after my MRI scan, which was my membrane, which is the piece of skin that attaches your brain to your skull, has got a big split inside of it. And he said that was from being punched in the head and your brain shaking around your skull. He said it's got no evidence in everyday life that it can affect it's got there's no evidence that it can affect you in everyday life but again it's scary to know that i've got this split in my skull off being punched in the head you know it pretty much means too that you've got like no gray air, there's no wiggle room anymore like you just can't take another hit period yeah and that's why when i'm shoulder spawn with you and you get the sly one on the chin i'm like oh big hit <laughs> I, I, you have to admit i, I get so sweaty they, like our, our punches oh, just was... roll off each other. Yeah, but no, like my, my biggest night, I, I think one time it hit your shoulder and came to your chin a little bit. And I, I felt I felt like such an ass for a whole week. Just so you know, I felt so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it happened. It happens now. Really, really puts it off. And I'll come in, I'll tell my wife, I'm like, and I'll tell her, say, I got punched in the fist. And she's Tony, no more shoulder spawn. You're not doing that anymore. And I'm like, I've got to, man. I can't get punched in the head anymore. It's the best thing I can get to doing what I've done for years, you know. What a good workout, though. Because did you even work out yourself, or are you just like, is your workout just training people? Because it's so active. Yeah, I, I mean, I do a little bit. Like, uh, I've, I've been doing doing runs lately, early morning runs. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my workout's doing that stuff with, with like, with you and other people. Uh, I love it, you know. It's fun. It's fun for me, because <laughs> I'm good at it. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's fun, and I, I enjoy doing that sort of workout. And I, and, I really believe that if you're enjoying your work, if you're having fun while you're working out, you're going to continue to do it, right? Especially 100%. if you haven't got much motivation. And that's what I tell all my trainers is like, when people come to our gym, the the most important thing that I want them to have is, I want them to enjoy it. That comes before anything else. And then I want them to have a great workout, you know? 
Because if they, if they have a great workout and they don't enjoy it, they're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. If they enjoy it and the workout's not that great, they might come back, you know? But they have Exactly. Both. And that's what's so great about boxing or any sort of skill-based conditioning is that, like, so when you run, okay, you can just run faster. When you lift, okay, you can just lift heavier, right? But with boxing, there's endless combinations you can learn. There's endless, you know, uh, footwork. There's endless techniques and drills. So, like, it, it's it's infinite. And as you get better, right. it gets more fun because you can start stringing more of this stuff together. And then all the while, you're getting in this incredible workout that is relatively low impact on the joints. I mean, so, uh, and I talk all the time, like, you know, exercise is hard enough as it is and you only want so much structured exercise and cardio in particular sucks because good, good cardio uh, should put you at the point where you have trouble breathing. Right. So you might as well make it as fun as possible. And that, that's the thing about boxing and skill-based stuff is these skills you can build upon and chase the rest of your life. And, and you can become better at, at a skill until the day you die. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I'm, I'm sure you've seen and your listeners have seen like boxing right now, is one of, if not the biggest trend in fitness, and because because of, of them reasons there, and and another big reason is, I'm sure you know, like our attention spans now have dropped massively. But in boxing, you'll come boxing, uh, you come boxing, you'll do one session, the next session you do, you're better because you know we all. What I'm seeing about the attention spans, we want that instant gratification, that that instant whatever it is in our brains, and boxing does that. Like you said, you come the first time, you weren't great, but you come the second time and you'd improved even better. And boxing, you can see the improvements straight away where I think if you're doing weights or or strength work or whatever, you'll see maybe tiny improvements, but over time where you see them improvements, but boxing, it's kind of like instantly. Would you agree with that? Yes, because so you're touching a big point. With, With boxing... The biggest improvements will come in your nervous system. Neural improvements can happen in a single session or from session to session. Building muscle can take three, three plus months. Like building substantial muscle that can, is actually you know, visible to the naked eye can take three to six months. And like serious muscle takes three to five years. You know, that, that, that's a long game. But the other thing, too, in terms of aerobic, your aerobic system is not only the most improvable, but it has infinite abilities to improve. Whereas like, you know, really high end lifting power, explosive strength work. uh, There is a genetic limit in most cases that, you know, there are, you're born with it or you're not in a lot of cases, but your aerobic system and neural improvements are like, they're quick and they can keep coming for as long as you chase them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And not just the aerobic stuff, but the, the technique wise as well. Like you might not be able to punch very good, the first session but the, sec- the second session you're going to see that big improvement you want to be able to punch harder and faster and when you can see that and feel that it makes the wet the session like what we said about more enjoyable and, and more fun and just wants you to get better and better that's why that's why our gyms are doing so well right now and because everyone wants to do a boxing no i love it you know what's so funny too you you would tell me because, you know, I, I want to throw the hardest punch as possible to, you know, probably I'm a guy. I want to impress you or I, I just want to show what I've yeah. got. And, and you're like, let's just back it down to like 60 to 80 percent. And then you can start to hear the punches actually they're, they're snapping better. How, yeah. It's so counterintuitive that by just relaxing and taking some heat off your punches, they're actually more effective. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's natural for us men to want to hold our breath and throw a 
big hard punch as hard as we can. But uh, but what you need to do is, is stay relaxed because if you're not if you're not relaxed and breathing, your technique's going to be off. And just like anything, tech techniques everything. That's why it's. I'll see women come to the gym and they'll be better boxers than men to start off with because they don't really care about power. They think more about the breathing, looking pretty, and that's why they get better. Uh, get better. That's why they're better at the start, you know, because men hold the best. But, yeah, I mean, once you start relaxing and throwing them punches, like you said, you could feel it. And not thinking about power, that's when the power really comes and the speed comes as well. No, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how that works. So who's your favorite fighter? It could be like current favorite fighter and then all-time favorite. Uh, well, you're my current favorite fighter right now, BJ. Well, I mean, that, that's a given because obviously I'm, I'm very accomplished. <laughs> uh, my favorite fighter right now is uh, Canelo Alvarez or Lomachenko. Them's two amazing fighters. I think I would rather watch Lomachenko. I don't know if Canelo's great as well. Either of them two is my favorite fighter. Who's yours? Uh, well, you, you turned me on to Lomachenko because the, the footwork and the angles he takes and, and the way he can move his feet and throw punches from all angles at the same time, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and I, I did this some, you know, deeping, uh, not, I dove deep into some of his YouTube stuff and he just has a really unique training approach. So he's up there. Um, my all-time favorite is Mike Tyson. I mean, like, yeah. I was a big Ali fan because my, my father is Muslim and he's from Tunisia and Ali was just like, he was a god to people in other countries around the world, and he got me into Ali. But then I grew up with Mike Tyson, and I still think, and I want to get your opinion on it, like a prime Mike Tyson when he was with Customato, when he was training all day, when it was his life, I think maybe besides a prime Ali and a prime Foreman, I don't think anyone could have beaten a prime Mike Tyson. I would say that Tyson would have beat Ali and Foreman in the prime. Really? Um, yeah. And like everyone disagrees with me on that. But uh, yeah, I just thought Mike Tyson he's in his prime, he was the, the, the best and he touches you, you're going to sleep. You know, he was so fast, so elusive. His footwork, his strength, like everything. I just think he was amazing. If anyone wants to beat him, it would have been Muhammad Ali. There's that famous interview where, where I think Tyson's sitting with Ali and Tyson says that he wouldn't he wouldn't have beat Ali. <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah, he does say that. And I think the only reason Ali may have had the chance is because he would have taken Tyson to late rounds. He would have done a lot of damage with the jab. And the reason I say Foreman is because Foreman, uh, like uh, Tyson had a lot of similarities to Frazier. And when I saw what uh, Foreman did to Frazier, like six knockdowns in two rounds, yeah. Foreman, just, Foreman just hit. They didn't look like they were like big shots, but oh, yeah. there was a heaviness to his hit that I think, because Mike Tyson did struggle against uh, taller, bigger fighters. But, right. and I, I was, I know you, you sparred with, you, you almost sparred with Holyfield. We should tell that story before we finish. But um, like one of my biggest regrets is that, you know, Tyson fought Holyfield past the point, like he, he came out of prison. He lost his speed. He wasn't really about that life anymore. He was just fighting for money to pay bills. Um and, and Holyfield won both of those fights, but uh, I mean, and Holyfield was a warrior, like one of the great warriors, one of the great heavyweights of yeah. all time. But like, you know, if he he caught a prime Mike Tyson, I don't even think it would have been a, a close fight. Yeah, yeah, Holyfield 
again, Holyfield's up there with the great one of the great fighters as well. He actually moved from light heavyweight to heavyweight, which makes him even better. Because he won a he won a bronze in the Olympics as well at the same weight as me. Uh, so yeah, he he was amazing as well. But no, I I would I would say uh, I know what you're saying about Foreman, but I don't, just maybe Foreman would have probably done him. Yeah, but it's hard to see, isn't it? It's hard to see because I think like fight, fighting changes over the years. Uh, back then, I think fighting was way more popular. There was way more people doing it. So that might have made them better because there was like millions of people fighting. But now I think training is different. I think training is better right now as well. Did you see that documentary on uh, HBO where Ali, the, the part one and part two? Uh, the one that like uh, LeBron James uh, was the executive producer on? Oh, I'm not sure if he was or not, but it's two, it's two part documentary on Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I, I've seen all the Ali docs, and I I, I did see the recent HBO one. Yeah, because I think uh, LeBron James was actually the ex- executive producer on it. Um, but no, it was incredible, oh, and really? like you know, just the way that he, unlike Tyson, Ali had an had a different. He adapted to a new style when he was past his prime. Where Tyson, like yeah. once Tyson lost the speed of conditioning. You know, he was then just an undersized heavyweight. You know, like he, he used to be this yeah. rattlesnake. He could be, you know, five feet from you, and then he could land a left hook that could put you to sleep. Um, but then when he lost yeah. that, you know, then he was just a sitting duck for a lot of these big, tall guys with reach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty sad to see that. When you see someone like Mike Tyson um, or Ali when they're coming to the end of the career and when you ask me about my my favourite fighter was of all time was Rory Jones Jr and him there he was a person who got the end of the career I think he got knocked out something like six times in his last 15 fights I might be wrong but it's something around that and it's so sad to see one of the greatest fighters for me my, my greatest fighter to be getting knocked out of people that he shouldn't be getting knocked out of. Like Antonio Tarver. Antonio Tarver got him twice and that pretty much ended his career. Yeah. He was never the same after that. Um, And yeah, I think that's the thing with, with with a lot of these fighters that that don't know when to stop. And maybe because they don't know what they're going to do after, after boxing, because, you know, we are prize fighters. That's what we do. That's what we've been brought up to do. So it's scary. It was really scary for me when I hung the gloves up to uh, to think and do something else. Even though I said it was easy, once I figured out what I was going to do, and then it was easy. But figuring out what you're going to do with your life, it's it's tough. And I wonder if that's why some of these fighters go on and on and on and on. You know, like on that documentary I'm talking about, what Muhammad Ali. You see him in his last fight. He can hardly. It seems like he can hardly walk to the ring. He's Really looks really really bad and slow, and he got, I think I think he got beat, and it was just so so sad to see such a legend being the in the ring like that. The, the Larry Holmes fight in particular, like that was one of the hardest. There's actually there's an ESPN thirty for thirty on it. I would watch it. Uh, it's it's amazing, but it's also like one of the saddest things you'll ever see. Like he's already showing signs of Parkinson's, but. He just can't quit the life, and he, you know, he's this legend. He's this worldwide hero, and you know, you 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 start to think like I I beat George Foreman when no one said I could beat him. I, I took out Joe Frazier twice, you know. I've beaten all these guys. Right. I'll be able to do it again. He's the great Ali, and it just he didn't. Uh, he, I mean, he it just Larry Holmes uh, 
shortened his life by probably five years in that single fight, just by the damage he did. And funny enough, you talked about Tyson Ali because Ali, uh, Tyson worshipped Ali. And before the Tyson um, Holmes fight, Ali was the, the, like the special guest that they announced before the fight. And Ali goes into the corner to Tyson and says, he goes, go beat him, champ. And Tyson just absolutely destroyed Holmes. Um, yeah, oh, really? it's, a, it's a really great story. I'll send you um, some links to some of that stuff, too. But oh, no, all these guys great. know each other and they all respect each other. And what's always so fascinating to me, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this as well, is all, all fighters will say, like, you know, there, there's like one particular knockout that like they're never the same after and that. Like every time you go in the ring and you step out, you leave a piece of yourself in the ring. Can you kind of explain explain that from your perspective? Yeah, I think uh, like I've, I've been in some. I've never been knocked out. I've been concussed a few times, and yeah, I, I think like, when you when you're in there, you never think you're leaving a piece of yourself. In the ring. When you come out, and now I'm looking at boxing from the outside looking in. You know that you you never want to be the same again. You see fighting. Hey Tony, can you speak up just a little bit? There we Sorry, go. mate. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, like, uh, from the outside looking in, you can see why people see these fighters never going to be the same again. For example, the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. They have had them two fights, and they've been punched with some hard punches. And you know, everyone was saying about them. They never got. That's going to take a little bit off off their lives. And I, I believe it is when you, when you're getting punched that hard in the face of someone who can punch really hard, it's it's got to be doing damage to you. Got to be, yeah. Right? It's it's scary yeah. stuff, man. You know, and and you know, uh, you guys get the respect from it and everything else. And you, you're one of the few that transitioned it outside of the ring into career after fighting, which is amazing. Uh, let's talk about. For trainers listening, you know, because you have the number one certification for boxing where, you know, trainers can learn how to teach fighting, even though they never fought, they can teach fighting to their clients or boot campers or, you know, because, again, it's such a great form of conditioning and requires no equipment and, and people love it once they learn it because it's fun. So talk about how people can learn about, you know, how to teach fighting and incorporate into their training without like, you know, people making yeah. fun of them or, you know, feeling like they're, they're frauds. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't see it. You said, you said teach fighting. I, we're not teaching fighting. We're teaching boxing. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Teaching boxing for fitness, it's completely different to teaching, teaching someone boxing for a fight. And that's what, that's what we, we tell people. Uh, like, like I said before, like my, my boxing coach, would have done nothing as a personal trainer. Most professional boxers can't teach boxing for fitness. It takes a certain type of skill, and it's the type of skill that personal trainers have already got. Fitness professionals have already got that. They just need to learn how to uh, firstly learn how to box, which we teach them on the course, teach them how to, the fundamentals of boxing, and then learn how to teach it. And uh, and and we do that in our two day course. And we give uh, give people video access because it's hard to learn in two days. And we give them a, a, a video library full of content as well. And mate, the 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 results that we've had from this course is amazing. I've actually just posted before you uh, a thing on my 
Instagram stories, how someone's just said that this uh, doing our course has changed the life. And that was a middle-aged lady who'd done the course who was getting into the fitness industry, you know? Uh, so right now, this is the, the, the most passionate part in life right now is teaching fitness professionals to form a boxers. Anyone who wants to learn how to teach boxing to someone else, teaching them. And it's, it's going really, really well. Uh, so if you are a fitness professional and you're out there and you you see that how big of a trend boxing is for fitness, you see how much BJ loves it, uh, you should check out this course. And you guys do it all over the country, all over the world right now, right? Yeah, all over the world, yeah. In November, we're going to, uh, we'll be in Melbourne and Sydney. We've just been to the UK. We'll be in Los Angeles in December. And then next year in May, we're doing a, a really big event in, in Long Beach. Yeah. So that's the plan and you've got two online courses, which have been great for me because I'll, I'll do the sessions with you. And then I want to, I love doing, cause I need to do all that work. Then I, I take what you give me, I mess up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on these drills, you know, uh, between sessions yeah. and I can reference your online courses, but you have one's becoming a better boxer. And there, there's two, there's a beginner and an advanced package, right? Yeah. Well, well, the kind of, there's a be a better boxer one and a boxing drills package. So the, the be a better boxer one is, really breaking down the fundamentals of boxing showing you how to how to box and it's giving you some little tips uh, uh, like uh, little tips of the trade uh, secrets what I used to do when I was training and then the other one the drills one is just great this is great for trainers to give to their their clients showing them different uh, different drills footwork uh, faster punching speed uh, agility stuff and just all sorts of or everything that I know, I put into these two these two packages. Uh, yeah, so you can check them out as well. All links to what Tony has going on, products, courses, certs, uh, Instagram uh, are are in the show notes. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Like Tony, man, I got love for you, man. You are just a great dude. You have changed my life. Uh, the trajectory will oh, be different from knowing you and working with you and. And like, what an honor I get to inspire other people out there just by showing my shitty boxing to learn because it, it's, it's so cool. And that, that's how I look at it. Like I'm not, I'm never going to be the best boxer. Um, but I'm willing to do something outside of my own specialty because I, I feel there's a lot of value in that. And, um, I think a lot of people might initially not want to do it because they're worried what other people think, but there's such a value in it. I thank you, Tony. Uh, please follow Tony, check out his stuff. He is one of a kind. He is, uh, he's the man. I, I, I just want to thank you, Tony, for everything, man. He is, man. I'm getting horny now, but thank you, man. Oh, my God. We got two horny men that can fight. <laughs> well, one, one that can fight and one that pretends to. <laughs> All right, thanks, BG. You're the man. All right, man. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a beautiful rest of your day, and be sure to provide a five-star rating review to help us spread the word to more good people like you. Peace.